show again. Back. Thanks for joining in, everybody. Appreciate it. Back again with Albert Castro, our very special guest this week. Again, so this is number three of the Bars Open with Beth and Greg. Last call. So this is number three. Thanks for joining me again. I appreciate it. It's always great to have you here, obviously. Right. We always have you here, oh, yeah. which is a good thing. So, um, so this is, um, I'll, I'll kind of recap again. This is meant to be, the last call is meant to be a, a place where we can interview people, folks, starting with my father-in-law, who's graciously um, kind of come on and, and allowed me to chat with him for a couple hours um, over the past couple weeks. And again, it's going to be a place that we can just come in, tell stories, tell cool stories about your history, about your life, about all of the fascinating things you did over your pretty crazy career. I don't know if they were fascinating, but... They're fascinating to people like me, absolutely. So just a recap, um, kind of go back to like we talked about before. So um, you transitioned from being a police officer, which we talked about last time, pretty good detail, um, over to being an air marshal and customs agent. Customs agent, and then... Then transition, that's when they split off to become the DEA. We're a special agent with the DEA. Yeah. Right, so so that was that transition time where the DEA was actually created. On July 1, 1973. 1973, so. Then you had a 24-year career as a DEA agent. That's right. Which is pretty incredible. We were just talking about it before the show, and uh, some, of the, some of the things you've seen and got to do and places you've been and people you've met, some good, some not good, um, is pretty, it's pretty incredible. And we're going to start getting into that. Uh, today so cheers everybody thank you so much for joining in and i really hope you guys enjoy these these episodes because i know i do absolutely so let's just get kicked off um so again you spent 24 years as a special agent right some undercover mm-hmm. or a lot of it undercover yeah about 17 18 years of undercover work. undercover work that was once or twice a month i was working undercover, undercover as on, a, on one case or another okay and i mean <laughs> So most people, they, like we were talking before, you're like, you kind of had two lives. Yes. Right? Where you're an agent, you're a bad guy, so to speak, right? right. Out there yeah. playing the role. Usually living played the role, the role of, a, of a drug dealer with money. Right. And uh, you had to be hard. You had to intimidate the guy you were buying from. Make sure that he knew where I was coming from. Right. And I always told him, I said, you know, you mess with me, you'll end up dead. Which is kind of crazy to be able to say that, right? So, you know, most folks on my side, right? The good side of the law, I guess, is the way to say it. The the living a good, normal life, I guess, is kind of, you don't think about that underbelly kind of side. The the thing about it, Greg, is that when the day the, the time came to go home, say there was nothing going on. Right. And it was five o'clock and you went home, you left work behind. Okay. And you became a father, a husband. Uh, we went out and did normal things, eat right. out, go to the mall, that type of thing. Just live life like a normal, like it was yeah, in nine yeah. five or on those but times. But when I came back the next morning, I would go into my mode of what am I going to do today? Right. Who am I going to bust today? Right. And look at the different cases. I always had a lot of irons in the fire. I had just all of, the time a lot of targets working. that I wanted to work on. Some very good targets, some were eh, not that great, but nevertheless needed to go. Right, that type of thing. So I will always put those aside and work on the major ones. All right, yeah. 
So when <clears throat> when you started in the DEA, so um, like what was what got you? How long had you been in before you started going undercover? Ah. Uh, or did you kind of just do that at the same time? Did it all kind of just yeah? Well, see, before we became DEA, I was a customs agent. Right. All right. Mm -hmm. And uh, prior to that, I had been a customs patrol officer, and the job of the customs patrol officer was to check up stuff that came in from out of the country. All right. Uh, and and so cargo coming in from yeah, trucks, cargo or and things of that sort, and stuff like that, yeah. and everything. Yeah. And uh, then uh, I made agent. I took the test. Uh, my rabbi at this time yeah. was Fred Turner. He says, take the test for an agent. Okay. A good friend of mine who passed away already, Jack, was a former state trooper, Texas state trooper, uh, took the test. Yeah. And of course, we, we passed it. It was a piece of cake. Right. For you guys. Because yeah. you've done basically that so, job yeah, for so long. Ex exactly. And it was a, a, a hour and a half long test. And we did it in almost an hour or less. And we just sat there and Jack was stationed in Austin and I was stationed in San Antonio. Okay. And making fun of me because I was the rookie at this office <laughs> and uh, everybody had nice cars except me. I had a Volkswagen. And the top speed on that Volkswagen was maybe 60 miles an hour. I remember you telling us yeah. a story about yeah. driving into the field and because you couldn't see anything, you were the last one in line in, a, in the in the chase. Yeah, so you know, and then I got lost. I wasn't familiar with San Antonio that much right. already. So, but it ended all after that case that I when I got lost. If there wasn't anything going, I would get in that car and drive throughout the city, learn the streets, right. the neighborhoods, the bars that the people hung out, that kind of thing. Right. And I would write a report, intelligence report, as to what I found out when I, You're out. I was always Controlling, running. Trolling, so to yeah. speak, just driving around. Yeah, trying to learn the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, it, it paid off because uh, I would take down license plates and run them and find out who the who all was meeting at that place. Okay. You know, you'd go to a bar, there'd be five, six cars, I would take the license. So that's just where you start, that's how you started just building a case. Right. And start kind start, of getting yeah, into exactly. it and starting yeah, seeing exactly. who's coming, going, those yeah, types of things. Yeah. Okay. And I start looking for informants. Yeah. And it was a trick to that, but I'm not going to divulge. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Some of this stuff, yeah, yeah we're not going to name names and yeah, do those yeah, things. No, I got I got yeah. some good informants. Yeah. Made, made a lot of cases with them. Right. Uh so that's how I started working undercover. They would introduce me to the target that I would find out if this informant knew this person and and if he did or knew somebody who knew somebody to get into that guy and get introduced to him. And okay. I had false identification, of course, a, a regular Texas driver's license with, with the false name and address and all that. Right. But it was legit license. Yeah, legit. Whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. If they ran it, they would come back. You know. Right. Right. So come back. So yeah, because yeah. I mean, you don't. Yeah, you can't have like a right. fake ID yeah. doing that. And when right. some of the people you're yeah. you're going after, some of the yeah, yeah. So higher profile targets. See, that, and so I always took care of my informants, though. Yeah. I I they were my bread and butter. Right. And so you had to take care of them. I paid them well. On if the case went down successfully, I would I would fight. To get as much money I could to pay him, right? They're putting her. a lot at risk. Him or right? her, because I had a couple of females too. They're funny. The hardest part was having the female informants. Oh, 
They were a headache. They were a headache, but they were good. Calling you all the time. Oh, yeah. favors, helping out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Money for this and money for that or whatever. Exactly. Get me out of trouble here. Yes, exactly. That was probably, yeah. yeah. I'm in jail. What'd you do? Well, blah, 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 you know. I didn't do anything, really. They just picked me up because they know who I am. I said, no, 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 no. You did something. You did something. (laughs) So... When did you, like I said, you started doing undercover work kind of just as it was going, right? Yes, yeah. Um, where did the cases take you? And what I mean by that is like internationally. Oh, yeah. And, I did cases in, in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, where I got the hell beat out of me by the Mex feds thinking I was a bad guy. Oh. It took about three minutes for the regular American agents to jump in and say, wait, wait, he's, a, he's one of us. But by then I had been hit five or six times in the head and the stomach and when, when we made when we made the bus, yeah, because so, so. they then, thought you were literally one of the bad guys, yeah. and so then they're all so apologizing. Doing... Oh, so sorry, I'll buy you supper. You know, that yeah, kind of thing. like okay, is your eyes swollen up or whatever? And that happened here too in San Antonio. Yeah, uh, when uh, I work an undercover case close to the produce market on I think it's Laredo Street and uh, or Sazamora, one of those streets uh, in the West Side. Mm-hmm. And I was negotiating for a quantity of heroin. Okay. And the bad guy said for me to get in the car with him, go go get it. They wouldn't let me sit there by myself. As we started to leave, we got pulled over by two narcotic guys. They didn't, and they had no idea. And the they case yanked out. everybody out of the car, including myself. They bumped me up and pressed my face into the hood of the car and then pushed me around. And then they took us to jail because one of them had about a gram or two of heroin. Okay. So we're all... In that car, we all. So, the the uh, the the guys went in there. One guy as a, as, a, as an attorney, you know, went in there, bailed me out. The bad guys were going, "Hey, help us out too! Tell them to get us out!" I said, "Yeah." And as we're working out, the two guys, the two cops that got me beat up and all that, were saying this. They couldn't believe I was walking out. So you didn't stay in there very long. I said. My partner at that time was, uh, who was that, Jim Henderson or Jerry Courtney? One of them says, no, he's a federal agent. And both <laughs> of them, their jaws just dropped. Yep, you kicked so, the shit out of a federal so, agent, by the way. Sorry, sorry, we didn't really mean it. They were bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. It's yeah. a dangerous, I mean, it was a dangerous life. Even oh, both yeah, sides, but, yeah. It, but it was part of the, of the deal working But you had to cover. play it no matter what because you were still undercover. Yeah, you can't say I'm a cop. Right. Uh, exactly. So where else did you go? I mean, it was just. I went to. I did cases. I did a case in in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. I did a, a big case in Miami, Florida. Okay. I went to Los Angeles. Where else did I go to? Los Angeles, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, El Paso. You just all of it's all mostly of. south. Did you go? Have to go up north at all? For some of the cases, I only or? went twice. Once to Detroit. And another time to Chicago. Okay. And they were, uh, unfortunately, both by the time I got there, the guy, the target of the investigation had already been popped for okay. one thing or another. So it didn't. Just it turn didn't, around. Yeah, turn yeah. around. But Go yeah. home. That's cool. Yeah, so you got to do a lot of cool things. Yeah. So one of the questions that I was thinking about is how hard, you know, when you, when you say, like, you had to switch back and forth, right? Yeah. Like, is that, was that a difficult thing to do, to, yeah. like, shut it off? Yes. Or, or turn yes. it on in some yes, cases. Yes, because I would be with my family and I would see something suspicious and my wife would have to remind me, you're not working. Yeah. And I, But it was hard. I would right. see something and I said, wait a minute. That guy looks, I think I know that guy. 
Yeah. And you start concentrating on that person to see what he's doing, who he's meeting. And my wife would, at the restaurant Focus or at, on at us. the mall. Yeah. And my wife would say, you're not working. You're not working. I said, okay, sorry. sorry. It's just, yeah. All, yeah you just but you had to always be careful because I know in one case. You just had to be. Yeah. In one case, on kind of thing, right? uh, the one had to do with the Miami case, which okay. is a very good. Uh, the, the, the person that I uh, ended up arresting along with all the other dopers was a guy that was six foot six. And one Christmas, we're window shopping at the mall, and I get tapped on the shoulder, and this voice says, Hey, Al. And I turn around, and I look up. It's, oh, my Lord. I says, what are I didn't panic. I just looked up. I says, what are you doing now? He says, well, I got paroled. I was good conduct, and I was one of the... Uh, uh, people at the library and all that other good stuff. Did stuff in the yeah. prison or whatever. Because he wasn't, actually, I mean, in real life, he was a nice guy. He just got, got mixed up with the wrong crowd. Yeah. But anyway, that's one of those things that I was always looking around. Right. So I know you've told us, this, uh, you've told this story, and I mentioned it on the podcast last night, just real quickly, because I, I try and allude to some of these yeah. just yeah. Uh, as we're talking to the other one. But there was, a, and I don't know how far this was into your career, but, um, when you had a hit put out on you, yes, and you got you got to catch the guy, yes. At the grocery uh, what, store. What happened was uh, I made a case uh, on on a guy and four of his co- partners. Mm-hmm. A good case ended up with half a pound of heroin. Okay. Well, the older brother of that guy found out who who made the the bus, which was me. Okay, working undercover, so he put out a, a, a and he was cheap. He wanted to pay 10000 for someone to knock me off. <laughs> so they found I don't know why I'm laughing because that's incredible. Like, yeah. It's only in the movies you see yeah. about shit like this. So the informant says, uh, a guy took a contract out on you. I said, really? Who's going to do it? He says, he told, tells me the guy's name. The boss says, you're out of here. You and your family go because the contract was on me or any member of my family. Oh. So uh, we had to. Of all places to go. I could go anywhere I want with my family, but right. I asked my wife, where do you want to go? Brownsville. That's where her parents live. That's <laughs> right, so she's familiar with it. Yeah. yeah. South Padre Island. We rented a condo up there while I was. Nice. Well, yeah. so you left them there. Yeah. Right. So we were about seven day, eight, seven or eight days after that, we found out who took the contract. They found out that he was also a drug dealer. Okay. But he was a mean guy. He had been served. He served uh, ten years for uh, assault with a deadly weapon. The guy didn't die, but he shot the guy twice. So he went to jail for ten years. Yeah, yeah. and so he had a little history of violence. And they said, "You want to come back and do the honors?" I says, "I would love to." So I left the family. I told him I'd be back. But I says, "Don't go." I says, "I gotta go." Yeah, you you all. Have fun here at South Padre Island. I'll be back in a couple days. Yeah. Bring your mother or have her stay with you while I'm gone. So I got back and got set up, and we found out that he was going to deliver 12 ounces of heroin at a parking lot on a grocery store on the uh, southeast side of town. And so uh, I won't mention the grocery store. Yeah, that's right. It was not H-E-B. Let me put it that way. (laughs) But anyway... uh, we found out what was going to happen, what time he was going to be there to take the delivery. And 
So we figured we'd kill two birds with one stone. Get the guy that was buying the dope and get him that took the contract on me. Okay. So we got to the parking lot. We had it covered with like a blanket. We had agents at every exit and looking around. And I went into the store, then I fight myself to the manager mm -hmm. and asked if I could borrow one of their aprons. It's a red apron. Okay. And I said, I'm going to be collecting baskets out there because he was already there. The guy pointed out, there's the guy. The informant says, he's in there, and he's armed. I says, okay. So I started picking up baskets, working my way towards his car. He looked and saw. He just saw I was a basket guy, you know. Yeah. Or, or working You're just doing stuff. like a normal, yeah. everyday yeah. kind of thing. And I got all the way up there, and I pulled out my gun and tapped him on the window, and his eyes got as big as a headlight. I said, lower the window. So he lowers his, you're under arrest. And he says, is that your gun? What gun? There was a 45 line. Pick that gun. No, no, I'm not going to touch that gun. I says, pick the gun up. No, I don't want to touch that gun. I says, okay, I'm going to give you a deal. I'm going to open the door. You get out, and you run. See how fast you can go. And I'll count to three. See how far you are. No, no, you're going to kill me because you're going to say I was trying to escape. No, no, I'm not going to run. So <laughs> he gets out and lies on the, on the, on the floor. On, on the ground. The, on the ground and puts his hands behind and I said, ah, what's going on? The guy just... I thought you were a tough guy, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So needless to say, we, we got him for possession of heroin, yeah. got the guy that was supposed to buy the heroin, and conspiracy, two or more is conspiracy. So well, yeah, he, he, got, he got, I think he got 30 years. Okay. But he, because of the charge of trying to kill an agent, he had to serve at least 20 before he was eligible for parole. Ah. So... Okay, that's an interesting one. So I mean, yeah. that's that's tells you kind of how serious it is. Like, yeah, that was the second. Uh, that was the first time. There was a second time. Other one. I didn't know that. I yes. thought it was just the one. No, no. There was another time when the same thing happened. Uh, I busted, made a bust, got got the people, and got this old man who was sixty five or so, but he'd been around a long time, had right. a long history of narcotics. He had served time twice for narcotics. Yeah. But he now was was. Source like a godfather to this group of about eight or ten guys. Okay, and I was introduced to him, and uh, like any other case, it you know when you go in, you make you always have to make two or three meetings before you decide yes or no or to kind of how much if you trust. Uh, yeah, well, not only that, but you with yeah, you negotiate on the price. He wants X number of dollars. And I say, I'll pay you this much. Mm -hmm. Well, but he, I want this much. I said, no, look, I'm taking so much, so you got to give me a, a little a break, or a break on, yeah. on the price. And, you know, finally we got reached to a and that's when we started doing the deal. Okay. So after I busted him, he was in jail. And uh, as I understand it, I never got to interview that guy. He, one guy that knew him well was getting out and told him to get a hold of, of one of his men and see if they would do the favor of uh, knocking me off. They didn't say how much. Okay. He just says, knock him off. He needs to pay for, for me being in jail. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> the guy that decided to do it, I ran in. He was in a restaurant with his girlfriend. I walked up, and I sat down next to his girlfriend because she, she was sitting facing him. She has no idea who you are. No, she didn't. But he did. The moment I sat down, he just turned us about as white, as, as so a ghost, ghost, yeah. yeah. Says, so you, uh, you're going to do a hit on me? I just said I would. I wasn't going to do it anyway. I says, yeah, are you sure? 
Yeah. I said, because if you are, then now's your chance. I'm sitting right here in front of you. He says, no, I'm sure somebody's got their bullseye on me. Somebody's going to shoot me if I even try to pull for a gun. You know, and he'd be a sniper. Yeah. So I said, well, you want to go peacefully and tell her you'll see her later or what? Yes. So we got we got him out. We couldn't charge him because he hadn't actually accepted the contract. He was going to do it. Okay. But since there was no money involved or anything like that, we and uh, the guy said, uh, I told him, I said, you're going to walk, but you better look over your shoulder because I'm going to be right there. He said, oh, no. He says, I'm leaving town. As a matter of fact, out. Uh, me and my girl are fixing to go to Los Angeles. I said, well, you better leave. And stay there. Because otherwise, look over your shoulder. I'll be right there. And he was calling me, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's crazy. Yes, it's sir. crazy. Yeah. He, he, I mean, ultimately, Albert's an adrenaline junkie is really, I think, uh, a lot of it. Oh, you have yeah. to have something like that. To have a career that was as long and spanned as long as yours did. Yeah. In undercover yeah. and doing, we'll get into a couple of the cases that are pretty, like yeah. I said, that are pretty memorable for you, your bigger ones. But to be able to do that for so long, to be able to turn it on and off and on and off and on and off. And yes. But also live that life yeah. where you put people in jail, they do get out of jail eventually. Yes, I had to be careful. I was always, I never, to be honest with you, I never took a straight Drive home. I always went. Always mixed it up. Mixed it up so they wouldn't have a pattern. Yeah. Right? And I was always looking at the rear mirror. Yeah. If a car stayed too long behind me, I would either pull over and see if he passed me or I would make a turn and see if he turned. Right. So I was always looking. It was it was challenging. Uh, I, I was never afraid, and that was the problem. What? They just didn't, you weren't afraid? No, I was. If a bad outcome happened or something? Yeah, no, no. My wife says you, that's going to get you killed. Yeah. You need to be afraid. And one of my old bosses, when I was a police officer, Mm -hmm. said, the day you stop being afraid is the day you're going to get killed. Yeah. He says, always be afraid. Always be like walking on hot coals. He says, you have to. And so I kind of. right. Went back to that and said, yeah, I better start, you know. And so I was always looking over my shoulder yeah. or looking in the mirror. Because that's, like you said, yeah. that's going to be the minute somebody's going to walk up, yep. somebody's going to recognize yeah. you. Yeah. Because or- that happened once. Uh, this bad guy was killing his uh, competition. Okay. And he just walked up to a guy in a bar. Just popped him. And he was the guy's in the bar drinking beer. I'm in there negotiating with a low life. And the guy walked in from here and put the gun to the guy's head and boom. And they turned around very coolly, start walking out. Luckily, there was a cop that heard the shot. He was on patrol. Yeah. And was able to get the guy. And I was a witness to it. So Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. But that's that life. That's that insane yeah. life that's you know, yeah, this, still this, going. This shit's still happening. Yeah. This guy's uh, had no qualms in killing somebody. Which is, it's just your sociopath where you just, yeah, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. I, I, uh, I became callous about working undercover. Yeah, and I remember one case in particular. Uh, there was a very famous kingpin drug lord, and he's dead now. He was shot and killed in the pen. Uh, when he got arrested, now the guy was really bad. I mean, this like guy, a bad, bad, oh, bad. Oh yeah, this guy was bad. He killed through three guys for either stealing dope from him or whatever. But yeah. anyway, he was bad. He he got popped. So his niece took over. Okay. 
okay? And she was dealing left and right, and I got introduced by an informant, as usual, and uh, we negotiated almost a week, three or four meetings. We met, uh, we would meet in San Antonio, and I was supposed to be from Dallas, and that we would meet in Austin with her. Somewhere in the, okay. Yeah, and, you know, finally decided the last time we'd be in San Antonio to, for the delivery. And uh, the funny part of that was that it was going to, she was going to do it, but she needed to see the money. So I said, okay, when do we do it and where? She says, we're going to do it at the parking lot of the hospital downtown. Okay. It's okay. Of course, by this time now, I knew where it's going to be. So we had the areas covered with agents. Right. So she's like a kingpin now. Yeah. She took over. Okay. And uh, her boyfriend was a very popular semi-pro football player. And he were the San Antonio Toros. Okay. Is that team even around anymore? No, no. Okay. They folded like, after about two years. All right. You know, Money-wise. Yeah. 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 But anyway, he was a bull. And uh, that was her boyfriend. So she says, um, show the money to my boyfriend, and then I'll be waiting for you with the merchandise. Right. Remember, we never call it heroin. You never this call is- it. You always, it's always merchandise or the thing okay. or the stuff. You okay. never say heroin or cocaine or whatever. So he says, I'll be in there with the merchandise. Is that in case like somebody's undercover? Yeah. And they ha- they're wired or something, so yeah. they don't technically have yeah. that recorded. So I, I show the money to to her boyfriend. He gets on the phone and calls her. I've seen the money. So she says, well, tell him to come on in. I says, where am I going? Inside the hospital. Inside the hospital. Yes, going in there. Where? In the ladies' room. <laughs> it's not going to look at all weird with a dude said, walking in the ladies' room. Yeah, I says, in the ladies' room? Are you sure? Yeah, that's what she said. So I go down there, and sure enough, uh, she was in there, and she had that little plastic, expensive, uh, one of those expensive purses from... Like a Louis Vuitton or yeah, something. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. yeah. And it was in there, right? So I looked at it, and uh, I there was one of the guys who dressed as an orderly with mm-hmm. a wagon. Okay, one of your guys? Yeah. Okay. And when I saw it, I banged on the door three times. I mean, it's bust. So he goes in there, two guys, two other agents go in there, and we arrested, me included. Yeah. So you, did you nearly always get arrested? Almost always to protect the informant. Okay. I shouldn't have said that, but anyway. That's just the way it goes. I think, I mean, that's, you see that in movies and shit too, so. To make a long story short, uh, thank God. The guy, her boyfriend, they used to call him Tank. He was a bull in football. Yeah. Uh, he gets 15 years. And so he's dealing too, though. No, he's just a protection. Oh, okay. Her, her boyfriend. Yeah. Right. So anyway, and we go to court, and she pleads guilty uh, on a one count of 15-year count. And uh, on the way out, I was standing by the door. She had just pled guilty. She was in handcuffs, walking out. She stopped in front of me, looked at me with smiled a little bit and says, damn, you're good, and walked <laughs> away. And I'm going, wow, she gave me a compliment. A compliment. <laughs> I busted her. And my wife was right there. She had gone. She had never been. She wanted to see. A case. Yeah. That's and interesting. <laughs> damn, you're good, she says. <laughs> you got, I mean, but that's the thing. It's like you have to be able to play. Yeah. The game. You have to know the game from both sides. So you have yeah. to be an expert at dealing drugs. 
Honestly, right? Yes. I had to do a lot of reading, by the way. Okay. Yeah, because see, when I was in Mexico, in 74, I was sent to Mexico to work in Mexico, which was the first, Mexico had never allowed American agents to work in Mexico. Inside their quarters, okay. And I went. And one of the- What changed? Like what? Because it was just the drugs were so bad. Then. Really, really bad. Right. And so uh, was this like during the time of like Escobar and stuff? I don't remember when he was around. Yeah, yeah. Or was that yeah. Yeah, before that? Was, it was after that. It was after okay. Yeah. Anyway, this is 1974. All right. And uh, I was sent to Mexico to work with the Mex Feds. Right. And I linked up with, I had to pick six Mex Feds. So I wasn't going to take any of the ones that were already out. I said, can I go to the academy? And get some fresh and people. And they said, well, is that what you want? They don't have any experience. I'll, they'll get their experience with me. Right. So I went to the academy, picked out six guys except one. One was a, a bodyguard for one of the commandantes, a very big commandante in Mexico. All right. I, I wanted him. He was a young guy, 26 years old. And he was originally from Laredo, Mexico. Okay. And we became really, really good friends. And I baptized his son. So I was a, oh. god, I was a godfather to his son. That's cool. I was in Mexico. And we went to Culiacan, right. Sinaloa. The state is Sinaloa. Culiacan is the city. It was a hotbed for heroin. And what was the way it happened or the way it's done, the, the plantation for the poppies which is where the opium comes from. All right. Uh, it's up in the mountains. And these drug dealers would pay the Indians that lived in the mountains. They never come down from the mountains. They live up there and, and just work the crops. They, they don't like even know what crop. a, a TV is. They don't even know. They just work the crop and they got paid. And they got, most of them got paid with food, like uh, those, those 20 pound bags of rice, 20 pound bags of beans and things like that, yeah. and a little cash. They had no place to spend it. Right, so. they just needed the food. Yeah, yeah. that was more important. So them. what they do is they would water it using PVC bucks from a waterfall, and you would have five, six, seven hundred yards of nothing but PVC to the plantation where the okay. poppies were. And what they do is they milk the poppy. They cut little cuts on the side of the bulb, mm-hmm. and a white liquid, very smelly white liquid comes out. And that's the drugs. That is, that is, turns, they go to a lab, they collect as much of it as you can in cups, and they go to a lab. Now, the lab is not like what people think a lab should be. It's not like a medical lab. Yeah, yeah. This is pots and pans and a burner and things of that sort, and they process that liquid and it comes out to be opium. Okay. Out of the opium comes the heroin, the morphine. That's used medically. The only okay. thing medical about that is the morphine. Other th- the other Otherwise, it's just a, a yeah, drug. drug. And so we were there. We busted about five or six different labs. And you had to act fast because this lab was contracted to do this job today. And, and they, then it would just be gone. And they hold it up and go to the next, whoever, next doper wants it. So Interesting. we had to act fast. Once we got it, and we got involved in two Two or three shootouts. Oh, really? Uh, at the labs? At the labs, because the guys had guards. Because you had That's all their money or whatever. That's their drugs, right yeah. There, yeah. So it was kind of scary and fun. <laughs> and one of the things was uh, a funny one is uh, you're talking, I'm talking 1974. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, an informant for one of the mixed feds says there's some Chinese from San Francisco buying some opium, as you well know. 
Chinese have been famous for smoking opium, mm -hmm. and they have opium galleries. Dens Everybody knows that. It's, yeah, it's going back years, in, in, 100 years. In San Francisco. Right. The, okay. So there's two or three Chinese uh, buying some opium, 10 kilos of opium. That's a lot. That's a shit ton. And, uh, so much is a kilo? I don't even know. Well, back then, in 74, a kilo of heroin was going for anywhere from sixty-five dollars to $75,000. Oh, gee. Oh, okay. An ounce was going for two to $3,000 an ounce. That's crazy. Max pure, $4,000 an ounce. You got to remember that if pure, you can make three, four, five out of ounces out of one. Okay. Because it's so it strong. Whatever. Yeah, you cut it. All right. So that's where the money came in. But anyway, we, we, there was only two roads coming out from the mountains. And so we decided to put a roadblock. And they were supposed to be in a yellow Volkswagen, the Chinese word. Yeah. And they were going to go to uh, some city, Culiacan, the next city over, I forgot the name of it, and catch the train to go back. Back home. Back, back, back home. to the States yeah. or wherever. So we set up the roadblock. We're sitting there. This is funny, okay? <laughs> uh, and... Uh, it's like two in the morning, and everybody's hungry. And there's a little stand that serves food for the bus. When the bus gets there, okay. people get off. Food and, or, yeah, yeah, eat get back on the bus or whatever. Being feds, they went and knocked on the door. He says, get up, fix us some food. <laughs> Just like that. And, and I'm going, oh, my gosh. The poor people, you know, say, yes, sir. Yeah. So they made some eggs and other stuff. And uh, we're eating. And we had soldiers, by the way, guarding the highways. All for, right. So it's just does the roadblock. Is it just like a check? They make it look like a check yes. or something. And like so that? Okay. anyway, here comes a car. Two o'clock in the morning. There had been no traffic up until then, and it's really running fast. Okay. And he almost runs over the the soldiers. They jumped and they fired several shots at it. So we all run and get in our cars, and. We're driving, and I'm looking at the driver, and he's got a sandwich in his hand. He's driving, doing 60, 70 miles an hour on a road that goes up and down. And one minute you're looking at the bad guys up there, the next minute you're looking at the guys back down there. It's, it's just an old mountain road. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's eating a sandwich driving. Going, we're gonna get. I figure we're, we're gonna, gonna roll get, off this mountain. We're gonna get killed. We're gonna get killed. And then finally, we got into a straight line, and they opened fire. They started firing. They started firing. And the guy says, "Come on, fire with your." Magnum that you got there, so I fired twice. Boom, boom. And anyway, to make a long story short, they could make a curve, and it flipped over twice. Right? Yeah. So we, we get there, not a scratch on the guys. The, the car, I, I counted the, the, the holes of bullets in the car, 47, <laughs> and not one of them hit. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and it was not the Chinese. These two guys had stolen the car of oh, the shit. mayor of Mazatlan. Mazatlan is <laughs> so, a... Yeah. Wrong guys. You caught some guys. bad guys, but the wrong bad guys. Yeah. And I said, well, you call the mayor, tell him we got a scar. <laughs> and it's rolled, it's trash, and it's got 47 bullet holes in it. <laughs> so, and I'm sitting there, so what if we didn't get killed away? This guy? Yeah. And one of the guys, can we go back and finish our breakfast? <laughs> get out of here. Well, <laughs> yeah. we, we didn't get the Chinese. They no. didn't, did they get out? No. Oh, what happened was uh, the next day, the informant says they're coming. 
they're dropping off the car. It was a rental in Culiacan. They're going to board the train. So I wasn't involved on in that. What happened was uh, they went to the thing, and I told them, listen, guys, you go in there. Remember, it's a train station. There's uh, people out there, passengers and shit. Mm -hmm. Be sure and do not fire. Try and get them without firing a shot. I says, where are you going to be? So I'll be there, but I'm not going to be involved in that. Right. It's strictly a Mexican thing. So uh, poor agent by Esteros screwed up. He, uh, When the Chinese got there and they were getting ready to board, he hollers, policia. And the guys, the two Mexicans were the Chinese opened fire on the agents, yeah. and the agents returned fire, but by Esteros, who the one that said policia got hit right in the forehead, dropped dead. And I'm, I'm on the parking lot, and I run quickly over there, and I saw by Esteros on the ground, he said, what happened? And they shot one of the bad guys, arrested the Chinese, and confiscated the dope. Yeah. But by Esteros lost his life. Yeah. And DEA came through because Mexico like they didn't care about their people. Yeah. The guy was, uh, he wasn't from Culiacan. He was from somewhere in Nuevo Leon, which is a state uh, bordering Brownsville. Okay. So Victoria. I think it was from Victoria, Nuevo Leon. Northeast. And somehow his family was going to have to make way to bring his body back home. That government was not going to help at all. They just said condolences and, you know, it's part yeah, of the job. Right. But they just did yeah, it was a different, yeah. it's a different So way. but DEA stepped up and says, We'll pay we'll pay for the casket and we'll pay for transportation. That's, cool. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to write a report, of course. Right. Because an agent was killed and it was uh, it was good. And then finally, uh we had to leave we had to leave I had to leave Mexico. Well, it's a long story and I'm not gonna get into fine. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh I said, Okay, Bert Moreno was my boss from the embassy. All right. And he's the one that called me, so you got to go. I says, okay, yeah, I'm ready to go, believe me. It's been great, Bert, thank you so much. He says, no, you got to go. I said, okay, like I'll pack right in, I'll leave in the morning. No, he says, you got to go now. I said, leave your shit behind. Oh, uh oh. I grabbed the clothes that I had, and I got the suitcase, threw everything in there, got in there. Would you go straight to the like embassy or something? And no, then no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm far. I'm embassies in Mexico City. I'm in oh, the, okay. on, the, on the on the west coast of Mexico, uh, Mazatlan. I was at Mazatlan when that happened. Okay, and uh, he says you gotta go. So I drove like a bat out of hell, and, and crossed over in, in uh, San Luis, San Luis, Mexico, into San Luis, Arizona. Okay, and then I was told to report to Nogales. It's closest station there. So I took off. And Interesting. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Now, I never knew why I had to go. I had an there idea. Was somebody that was, I had somebody a, said something. Yeah, I had an idea what it was all it about, really but matter. I can't go into that uh, yeah. because there were some politicians involved in that. Yeah, yeah that's fair. So, so how, one of the things I, I think is kind of funny is when you was under, 1974, by the way. Right, when you're undercover is when you're, when you have to, you said, you've mentioned this a few times to me when, when you uh, wanted to call home. How often did you get to call home and talk? Like, you're undercover, you're working out and wherever you are. Yes, and I had to let my wife know I was all right. Right. And I'd always say, listen, I came here with my girlfriend. She's at the hotel. 
uh, let me call her because it's taking longer than I had expected. Let me call her and tell her everything's cool. Yeah. So they, they never mind. They said, yeah, you, you, there's a phone on the wall there. So I'd go over there and I go, hello, babe. Hey, I'm doing great. Not to worry. Everything's going good. Okay. I'll be there in a little while. Bye-bye. It's just a quick check-in. And she knew that I was okay. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was thinking, I mean, that's one of the things that comes up. It's like you're gone for a long time. And this is before. There ain't cell phones and shit around. Uh, no. You know what I mean? So it's it's a completely different. You can't send uh, an email. Can't send there were a few cell phones, but nobody. There, there was, was big ass ones. Not yeah, yeah. Not, not everybody carried one. So Right. Yeah. Exactly. So when, it, when, when you first, so the first, say, 10 years of that, of your career, what was like one of the hardest cases if you can talk about some of those like in hard I guess could mean a couple of different things right because you could have like one that's just a really long drawn out case or it's just difficult to get in you know yeah most people don't realize this but undercover work means that you it doesn't happen in one day like on tv or one on the next it's drawn out i worked undercover uh on one case for 18 months meetings in San Antonio, meetings in McAllen, meetings in Laredo, meetings in El Paso, 18 months. And everybody comes, Al, it's too long. Drop it. It's dead. I said, no. no it's there. No. There's something, there's meat on this. And sure enough, I ended up getting one of the largest seizures in San Antonio in 1985. Right. Got 110 kilo, uh, pounds of, uh, of cocaine. That's a ton. I mean, that's not a ton, but it's a lot. That's a lot right. of cocaine. Yeah. hundred and ten pounds of cocaine and ended up arresting a Guatemalan captain, a Guatemalan lieutenant, a Mexican federal agent, and the dealer I was dealing with is a Nicaraguan, and uh, three or four other people. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, to think about, like, you know, but it took you that long, and you knew the case was there, and you just stuck to it. Yeah, and got it yeah, done. Yeah, so that's pretty yeah. incredible. So yeah. there was a, one of them. Um, one of the 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 cases you mentioned was a sheriff. Oh yeah, which uh, is this is kind of a it, the irony of this. This this this, this particular case. It's one of the feathers in my cap. Okay, the yeah. one I just mentioned about eight, that hundred and ten was good. That's a big. That's a big bust. B- big yeah. bust. And Sometimes we, it's about the person. And, and yeah, and we we broke up a ring that was uh, headed by a guy up in Miami. This okay. is how I ended up in Miami, one of the cases. But anyway, right. uh, so that was a good case. Now, the the one with the sheriff, uh, I was supposed to be a Colombian drug lord. Okay. And I traveled to the U.S. to purchase stuff because I had the money mm-hmm. and all that. But I also looked for a place to drop my cocaine. And I had an informant who had been a pilot, and he got busted in one of his trips, and he flipped, and he says, if I tell you who is behind this, can I get a break? And I said, yes. Right. So he says, you're not going to believe this. It's the sheriff of Gulfport, Mississippi. So... The guy in charge of DEA in New Orleans was was a guy that had been stationed in San Antonio for several years and knew the kind of work I did. And he called me up. All right. And he goes, Al, I have a small problem that I think you can work it out for me. Can you come up here and help me out? I said, yeah. What what is he says? Well, get over here and we'll we'll discuss it and and see if you want to take it. If you don't, I can understand. 
So I show up. His name is uh, uh, Bobby Bryden, was the guy in charge of New Orleans. And he explains the situation. It's an FBI-DEA joint investigation. Okay. Uh, the informant will introduce you to the sheriff. And I go, whoa, the sheriff? Yeah. And the sheriff will come up to meet with you whenever you're ready to meet. I said, well, how about the night? I'm ready. Jump at the gun of getting a crooked sheriff. Right. So I rented, they rented for me a room up on the 17th floor of the Holiday Inn by the river in New Orleans. Okay. So well, the, actually, no, it was the 16th floor. The 17th floor was the bar. Okay, so and you're, it, all, oh, it, you're as high up as you can go. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that bar was cool because it, it had, like, uh, umbrellas, and you would see lightning, and it would rain. Inside the bar? Yeah. That's cool. And it stopped, <laughs> right? And it stopped, and then after all, about every 15 minutes, you see lightning, and and thunder, <laughs> and then it would rain. So it's cool sitting there. Yeah. So we invited, I invited the sheriff. My informant says he's ready to meet you. I told him all about you, that you are a big shot in Colombia dealing with it, and he's anxious to meet you. So he says, well, bring him to the bar, and we'll negotiate. Now, the problem I saw there, and that was the hardest part for me, was I could not speak English. It had to be. You were Colombian. I'm a Colombian. I had right. to do everything in Spanish, and the informant was going to be the interpreter. Okay. And it was hard because sometimes the sheriff would ask, to tell him to ask me a question. And I wanted to answer before they even asked me the question, right? And so I had to really watch it. So we sat at the bar, and uh, he liked it. Had a few drinks. And now, when you work undercover, you can have as many as three. Okay. That's that's the limit because it'll come out in court. Right. So you don't want to. You can't be inebriated. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you're still working. Normally, I would only use two drinks. Right. Because I really need to be in my. Yeah. Sharp. You have to remember everything because you got to go back and write a lengthy report. Right. So then the guy says, the sheriff says, uh, "I don't want to discuss it here. Can we go to your room? You have a room?" I said, "Yes." I had ordered a rolling bar. It had all kinds of liquor, and highballs and wines and stuff. Yeah. And. so we come in there and says, fix yourself a drink. I told him, you know, I wasn't going to drink. I already had one drink. I right. could drink one more if I wanted to, but I yeah. So we sat there and discussed it, and uh, he, he wanted uh, $10,000 up front. Excuse and, me. And five, because he says, how much are you going to bring in? So, and I told him, I said, I think I'm bringing in. I would tell him that I'd like to bring in about 150 pounds of cocaine, pure. Yeah. So he tells the sheriff, the sheriff tells him, it's going to cost him $10,000 up front for protection and five kilos for me. Now, this sucker was running for re-election under the just say no to drugs. That's the kicker to this guy. So when you think about, yeah, this is where when it was the just say no to drugs and alcohol was big back then too. I mean, really. So... So we negotiated. I said, no, that's too much money. And up front, are you kidding me? I have, he has, I tell him, I, he, you know, I, I don't even know if this will work. Right. He, he, and he asked. I'm just going to give him, yeah. So the sheriff asked him to tell me, how am I thinking of bringing it in? Because he's got a, a big pasture that I can make a drop if I have an airplane. Okay. I told him, to tell the sheriff that's exactly what I want to do. It'll be in 50-pound bags, uh, military canvas bags mm-hmm. or Sea bags, sea bags, sea bags. Yeah. So, but I'm not willing to pay ten thousand dollars. I never have paid up front for anything, 
And so he tells the sheriff that. He says, yeah, but this is the United States. We do things my way. I am the sheriff in this county. And so, so he told me that. He's a sheriff in this county. So I told him, well, tell him I'm the guy that has a product. So there. Right. So You've got bargaining, technically. So we did. Oh, right. So we decided to cut it off that evening. And he says, think about it. When are you going back? Ask him when is he going back. He says, well, he's going from here to New York to do some shopping and then back home. Ask him when he's coming back. He says, well, he asked me and I told him, said, well, I don't know. It depends on him. I'll give him a call from Colombia and see where we're at and then decide if I want to come back or not. Now, he's looking at dollars, right? That's all he cares about. Yeah. This green. So, so the, the meeting was over the first time. Mm -hmm. Second meeting, two weeks later, I'm back. We meet again, and, and he says, the reason, tell him that the reason I want $10 a problem because I have costs that I have to take care of. I have to pay my deputies to, to block off roads, and they'll be off-duty, but they're going to be doing like a moonlighting type of thing. Okay. I have to pay them. They're not involved, by the way. Oh, okay. No, they're not they're involved. They're just on. Yeah, that, that, that sheriff wants us to block off, we do it. So. Right. So the second time I went, two weeks later, I went back. We, I got on the phone. And called him, but I was in already in New Orleans, and I told him I'm here, so I'll be right there. So about two hours later, he shows up. He's happy. He's whistling, and he's, he's seeing dollar signs. Oh yeah, he's doing it. So we sit down, and uh, we had a couple of drinks, and then he says, uh, "I've come to a point where I'll give you a break." He says, "I'll take five thousand up front, and, right. but still want five kilos." So I said, well, I tell the guy that I'm going to kick that over uh, and uh, I will be in touch with him. Yeah. And so we shook hands and I, and t I told him, tell him that it sounds like a good deal, but I'll, I'll have to make sure that my pilot's ready to do it. So he said, tells him that to the sheriff and we reported. He left. And all of this is being recorded and videotaped on the, on the I shouldn't say how. I'm not That's fine. Say. Yeah. That's cool, but it, there's ways to do it. Yeah, yeah. We, we videotaped the whole conversation, the, the meetings, and all of that, all of them. So, uh, so up until this point, you've got them basically on like conspiracy. Yeah, right? so far until okay, exactly. So anyway, two more weeks pass. Now we're looking at six weeks from when I started. Right. And I called him. I was already in New Orleans. I'm ready to do it. This is the plane will be here tomorrow, between three. And five in the morning. And he says, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me back up. All right. He takes me to the ranch to show me. Okay. It's a nice ranch, a nice house. It's not a two-story, but... Sort of ranch-style house. Yeah, yeah, but it was spread, spread out. out. Yeah. And there was three or four guys there. And he says, these guys are from up east. I said, oh, really? What are they doing down here? Cooling off. I said, oh. In other words, they're bad guys, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he shows me the ranch. His son is 23. This dude is in like. In Gulfport, Mississippi. Well, no, I mean, no, this sheriff is just a bad dude. He's yeah. just a bad dude. Because yeah. he's got criminals. I mean, he's just a bad dude overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was proud of the fact that he says, I run the county. He says, you want to have a female working in your bar, you got to pay me to have her working in the guy. You want to have, have a, 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 ju a jukebox, you pay me for having a jukebox. You want games or you pay me to have that. Either Dude has that or, or the way it was, you either do that or close you down. Right. You had the power to do it too. That's incredible. So anyway, 
at the ranch. His son says, yeah. he tells his son, show him uh, our little product. I says, really? What product are you talking about? He says, come on. Yeah. So we got into this a four-wheeler project, and, and went across the road from the ranch was owned by a paper mill or a paper company. Okay. And nothing but huge streets everywhere, but right there, it's like about, I think it was about three or 4,000 acres of, of trees, beautiful trees. Oh, okay. But right in there was an open space, and it's like about 70 foot deep by about 60 feet wide. And nothing but six foot tall marijuana plants, and they watered them and took care of them and all that. Right. And they were in the back of the property, so the nobody goes back there anyway because yeah, it's exactly. a tree farm. There's no roads out right. to the back, so you have to have it. it's a trail or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I said, "Well, that's neat. You're making a good business here." He said, "Oh yeah, you, want, side you know business, that right? through the informant, of yeah, course." Yeah. And of course, it was so hard for me not to <laughs> just the. Yeah, accidentally slip or what? Yeah, exactly. So we go back and I said, "All right, it's, it's a deal." Uh, have your men ready to pick up the product when it dropped. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah, everything's ready. We've done this before. He says, ah, this is recorded. Right. We've done this before. He says, uh, uh, it'll be ready. The men will, just as soon as they hit the ground, they'll pick we'll it have up. It. And it's okay. So we waited, and FBI and DEA converged in the ranch, and they were, they were everywhere. It's a big bust. It's a big deal. Yeah. They were everywhere. It was to avoid escapes and stuff mm-hmm. of that sort. Because remember, there were, so he had the three guys that were from up east or four, and two other ranch hands ready to pick up the product. And they had a pickup truck, just ready to go, to yeah. throw them in the back and take mm-hmm. off. And this is in his ranch, so so we waited and waited, and everybody drinking coffee. And I, we hadn't slept because we got there about. If I recall correctly, around ten thirty or eleven o'clock at mm-hmm. night, and got in there quietly and got set up. And uh, sure enough, about we already had the the the, the time. It was four o'clock in the morning. We heard the plane coming, and he was coming right over the treetops. Okay. And one of the agents in there throws the bags out, and it would hit and bounce five six feet up in the air. You know. Do, do, do. Yeah. yeah. The guys ran out to grab the bags, and that's when we rain in there the sheriff in the meantime was was at the ranch house he was fixing breakfast for me and uh the other guys mm-hmm. right so it's gonna be a yeah, it was gonna be a good day for him yeah so we all jump in the car so little did he know we go up there we drive up to the and he's in the kitchen with an apron and he's got a utensil and uh and his hand and uh something else and the other and he's he's shocked his mouth was wide open and we walk in there, he says, you're under arrest. And this ranch now belongs to the government. <laughs> Sorry, because anything that's used, right, becomes federal. Yeah, so we seized him, his car. The only thing we couldn't seize was his service car because it belonged to the county. Yeah. But we arrested him, his son. Uh, his son was one of the ones that was out there directing. Picking up the dope. Yeah, directing. So. And, we, of course, we got him with production of, of narcotics, which was a marijuana. Right. And that was one of my better cases that that's I... That's a big one. So, I mean, that's... Like I said, you can have just some bad guys. Yeah. Then you yeah. have bad guys that pretend to be good guys. Yeah. And they're just assholes. And yeah. Those exactly. are the ones that, like, yeah. you really get some satisfaction yeah. Yeah. out of yeah. because you're uh, living one life. Uh, yeah. The next time I'll bring you my newspaper clippings yeah. with the sheriff's picture. Yeah, and because, homework. I mean, again... 
the sheriff of an entire county in Louisiana or Mississippi and, and, and running for re-election right under the <laughs> just say no to drugs yeah. and alcohol or whatever or drugs kids yeah. so thank you for sharing time and spending some more time with me we're gonna wrap this one up today um, but we'll be back again next week for another episode um, we'll, we'll get in a little bit your later part of your, your yeah. DEA career as looking well f- looking forward to that it'll be then. fun so yeah. um, I always like to wrap it up say thanks to first responders frontline folks everybody military um, with all all of you guys we can't do this stuff without folks like Albert here, you know, making everybody safe and trying to really make a, be a positive change. It's just really incredible. So thank you all. You guys have a great week. We'll talk soon. Bye.